0: Well, good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. What a joy to be gathered together tonight. Thank you for being here in person. And for those who are joining us via live stream, thank you for doing that. We're excited to be gathered together. We had a wonderful first gathering, and here we are together. Um, It's a joy uh, to be together. I'm Darren. I'm the lead pastor here at Local Church St. Pete. If you are a guest, if this is your first time in this space, thank you. Thank you for being so bold to come and gather with us. We're honored to have you as our guest, and we hope that you will come back and join Uh, a Sunday gathering with us, a chance for us to get to know you more. We're going to explore John chapter 1 together tonight. It's really the most amazing event in all of history. So before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege it is to be gathered here tonight. We want to recognize we're in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that God, you have gone before us in strength and power. You have shown us your love and your grace. And as we explore the magnitude of that and how it's revealed in Christ, Father, help us to, Lord, walk away tonight in awe, shaking our heads in amazement, in wonder, in praise. Help us, Lord, to be moved about the significance and the magnitude and what what Christmas is really all about. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever tried to describe something so beautiful, but your words fell short? Or something so shocking and unexpected, your words just didn't do justice? But you kept trying to find the words that expressed how you felt. You kept trying to find the words that describe just the magnitude of the event because maybe you wanted others to appreciate it as much as you did. And that's a a bit like what the Apostle John is doing here in John chapter 1. He's trying to describe the most amazing event in history. It's an event so shocking, so unexpected, and oh, so beautiful. With this in mind, let's let's explore it together. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Three things I pray we see here this evening. First, God became what we are. Second, that we might receive what he has. And third, and know who he is. God became what we are that we might receive what he has and know who he is. First, God became what we are. In the beginning was the word, John says. In the beginning was the word. So, John, the apostle John, as he, he's trying hard to explain uh, what feels like the unexplainable. He's trying hard to explain the greatest event in all of history. He writes, in the beginning was the word. And so John is reaching back to the very beginning of time. He's using the opening line of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created. He's leaning on that. Why does John do this? Well, how did God create? He spoke and things came into being. You know, throughout Genesis and really the entire Old Testament, we see God using his word to bring things about. His word is powerful. His word is effective. And so the idea here behind uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, the idea behind the logos, the word, is God's word in action. This is God's word in action. God's word has always reflected God's action. God creating and Revealing and delivering. And here's what John says about God's word in action. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the word is, is now not merely something, but someone. Not simply a, a literary personification, not simply a, a, an extension of God, but something much, much more. Distinct from, but identified as God. Sharing God's nature and being. And no matter how far back you try to push your imagination, you can't ever reach a point when the word was never around. All things were made through him, John says. Without him was not anything made that was made. And and he says this, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The word of John 1 brings life and light. Isn't that what the word of God did at creation? And now we're told the word that brought life and light at creation is doing the same thing within creation itself. Bringing new creation and John says, and the darkness could not overcome it. And so you have to understand, John's heart, the Apostle John, he walked with Jesus. I mean, he touched Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He hugged Jesus. He was with him. He was an eyewitness to the life and ministry, to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He was there on the ground with Jesus. But he's still trying to stretch his heart and mind around what's taken place. Our hearts and our minds are being stretched as John explains it. Verses 6 through 8, we're introduced to another John. This isn't the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist. This is the one who would go before Yahweh and announce the Lord's way. Make way for the Lord. Announce his arrival. And then Jesus came on the scene. This is John the Baptist who would go before Jesus, a witness, giving evidence, giving testimony about the light that is Jesus, a witness to the truth of God's self-revelation in Jesus. And then we get to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son. We have to hit the pause button here. Christianity claims that God, the one who has always existed, the all-knowing, all-powerful creator God stepped into space and time and became what we are. That's what Christianity claims. Those are some big claims. He became what, what we are. Human. Human. He arrived as a real person. He dwelt among us, John writes. The word dwelt is literally tabernacled. That's really a reflection of what God was doing with the children of Israel in the desert when they constructed the tabernacle and God's special presence was there in their midst. Here is God present with us, with us. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew describes it this way as he tells the story of Jesus' birth. Before Jesus was born, um, Joseph has a dream and an angel speaks to him in this dream Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew tells the story this way. John is telling the story this way. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. God with us. And then the Apostle John, he brings in this first person testimony. I mean, he was there. He says, We have seen his glory. And that word glory needs to be, I think, defined again and again. We can lose sight of what it really means. Glory means honor and praise. But I I think a good description is the weightiness of who he is, the glory. And and the weightiness of who God is can be seen most of all in his character. When you read Scripture, you can see uh, God's glory revealed in who he is, his very character, his being. And what John is saying is we've seen his glory. We've seen the weightiness of who he is. We've seen his character in front of our very eyes, the unique, one-of-a-kind son. We've seen him. We were there. God became what we are, flesh and blood, skin and bones. He stepped into space and time that we might receive what he has. There's nothing like the arrival of a friend that you haven't seen in years, right? Or the arrival of a spouse after being separated for days. I know you can relate. I mean, this is Christmas, and so maybe some family is coming into town, or you're going to see some family tomorrow. We're just, it's so good to see family when we haven't seen them in a long time. They finally arrive, and you're like, wow. God had sent his word in a variety of ways throughout history, but now... Now, the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a feeding trough, surrounded by young, joyful parents and stunned shepherds, is the arrival of God. And our heads are spinning. And our hearts might be beating faster. How can this be? This baby is God's love expressed not only with words, but with action. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. To live a perfect life before God the Father. A life of obedience. Each one of us have disobeyed. Each one of us have sinned against a holy God. Each one of us have have experienced a calloused heart. Wanting to live for ourselves. But Jesus comes to live this perfect life in our place and obey the Father. And then die a substitutionary death on the cross for our sins. That we might be reconciled to the living God and have a a living, breathing relationship with God. The ever-present God. It's mind-blowing. Verses 9-13 through of John 1, John describes the word as the true light. The true light. And, And yet the world did not know him. His own people did not receive him. But to all who do receive him, to all who believe in his name, and name is about character and everything that is true about that person, that very person, to all who do receive him and believe in his name, they are given the right to become children of God. And so this is about relationship with God. This is not about keeping a a, a list of rules. This is not about moralism. This is not about all the right doctrine and us being better than the church down the street. This is about a relationship with the living God. Back to verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full full of grace and truth full of grace and truth. The Son comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. He comes with something for us. Grace and truth. Grace speaks of favor and kindness, love, and not a relativistic love, but a real love, a concrete love, a love that looks like sacrifice and humility and commitment and truth. Not any truth, not a relativistic truth, true truth. It's what you've always longed for. It's what you've been searching for. It's what you thought you might not ever find. Maybe it's what you were afraid to face, but it's what you need more than anything else. Grace and truth. It's found in Jesus. Verse 16 says, from his fullness or completeness, we have all received grace. Grace upon grace. The idea behind that phrase is this unstoppable progression of grace, like wave after wave of grace coming from the fullness, the completeness of Jesus. And it's, it's for you. It's for me. Fresh grace on top of grace already given. It's like drawing water out of the ocean. There's never any shortage of it. That's the kind of grace that God has for us in Christ Jesus. And when I say grace, I mean favor, kindness, Love. It almost feels too good to be true. Jesus was sent to bring life, sent to bring light, grace, truth, relationship. And faith, what does it involve? Well, that's what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. We come to a crossroads when we hear about Jesus. Do we we believe? Well, faith involves submitting your allegiance to him. It does. It also involves believing his claims and then living day after day in response to those claims. It's not just this one and done. I got my ticket to heaven. This is about relationship. Being made new from the inside out. Transformed. Transformed. Growing as a child of God, learning what it means to live for your creator, made new. Have you ever tried to share a song with someone else that you just love? I'm a musician, so it could be a, you know, a guitar hook or a drum beat, a bass line. There's a friend I'm always texting and sending him songs. I'm like, hey, check out one minute, 22 seconds where the bass comes in. It's a warm bass. It's sweet. You're going to love it. And he's, he's, just, he's the type of friend that, that gets it. And he's like, yeah, it was great. Love that snare. Whatever. But what about when you're sharing a song with someone like that and they don't even care? Or they don't get it. They're like, what? I, I don't. You just want them to get it. You want them to hear that part of the song. John wants us to get it. He wants us to hear and receive. He's trying hard to express. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. No doubt. He's communicating to us the greatest event in history. God stepping into space and time and taking on the stuff we're made of to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He became what we are that we might become or re- receive what he has. And He has grace and truth for us. And finally, we can know who he is, Truly. He became what we are that we might receive what he has and truly know who he is. I have some good news for us. We don't have to guess what God is like or wonder. We don't have to come up with a God of our own imagination. If you want to know who the true God is, look at Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. Whatever idea we have in our heads about God, we need to hold it up to Jesus, and not just any old Jesus, not a generic Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. So make the comparison. Make the comparison again and again if you have to. John writes, the only God who is at the Father's side. The only God who is at the Father's side. This speaks of the greatest possible intimacy that you can imagine. Jesus at the Father's side. The only one who fully knows the Father. Well, He's the one who can make the Father known. And He has. God in flesh. I've heard some say, why doesn't God just show us who He is? Why doesn't He just do something about this broken mess we're all in? He has, and He did. Jesus was born into poverty. Under a brutal government, his family became refugees fleeing for their lives. He knew injustice. He experienced firsthand the hardships of life. Working, growing, learning, obeying, washing, sweating, grieving, agonizing, misunderstood, dismissed, accused. He brushed his teeth with whatever they brushed their teeth with back then. But he wasn't born to simply identify with us. He was born to save us, to be our rescue. And he would die in our place as our ransom, the one who would pay the price for our sin. But again, this isn't just about entrance into the kingdom. This is about living, living, living day after day as a follower of Jesus a disciple, one who learns and studies and delights in Jesus as king, Jesus as savior, as rescuer, deliverer, the long-anticipated, promised one who would come and, and do something about this brokenness. And he has, and it's a guarantee of what will be as well. He was born to live and die in our place. John would write another letter to the churches that were scattered, followers of Jesus. And and this is what he wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation, it's atoning sacrifice. The image is that of one who receives all the punishment upon himself that we deserve. There's no wrath. There's no punishment for our sin left. It's absorbed in Jesus. That's what love is. That's what love accomplished for you and I. It's God's word in action. God loves you. And he sent his son as the clearest demonstration of that love. So John, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he somehow found the words to express the most amazing event in history. And it's a message that is so shocking and so unexpected, but oh, so beautiful. God became what you are, that you might receive what he has and know who he is. I want to say it one more time. Listen, God became what you are, that you might receive what he has. Grace and truth, salvation, Adoption, a new relationship, and know who He is. Do you know Him? I'm not talking about a head knowledge, not just simply agreeing with facts on a piece of paper, but an experiential knowledge, a relationship with the living God that is expressed by faith in Jesus and a day by day relationship with Him. Do you know Him? Is that the cry of your heart? Maybe even this evening. This is love. This is Christmas. And John has expressed this to us in words that are so beautiful. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the mystery, the wonder, the beauty, the glory of Christmas. You know my prayer has been for anyone, Lord, that would come here tonight, that they, that they would receive all that you have for them in Jesus and believe and enter into a, a living relationship with you, enter into the family, become children of God. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight, whether they're watching online or here in this room, that has wondered, how could that be? How could I come to that place of being a child of God, to being reconciled with God? Lord, I pray that they would by faith look to to your son, your provision, and find rest, and find salvation, and find in him the gift that, Lord, you meant to give us. And for all of us, Lord, who have believed and received and are walking and learning, Lord, help us to leave this place in awe, heads just shaking, hearts overflowing, in wonder and gratitude, and what you've done in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for coming tonight. It really has been a privilege to gather. These are unique times, are they not? But God is faithful, and he is present. Well, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. I hope that you have a wonderful time with friends and family. We're going to gather again this Sunday. Hope to see you then. Good night.